God speaks to us in his word in Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel of a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Um, as Ben said, uh, my name is Laker Greenwood. Also, Merry Christmas. Um, yeah, my name is Laker. Uh, I, I get to serve as a resident here. Um, I have my hands in a lot of places. Um, I work with our internship program, um, with worship and tech, uh, with our student ministry. Um, I guess we can add teaching on Sunday mornings to that list now. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get to, to share the word with you guys and, and give the gospel to you all. Um, I just have a really deep love for, for this place and these people, and um, I, I'm just really grateful to be here today. Um, we're in the book of Luke, um, and just some quick context for the book of Luke. Um, Luke was a, a physician turned historian. Um, he was a traveling companion with the Apostle Paul. Um, he was not one of the 12 disciples, but what he did was he traveled and interviewed people with firsthand, witness, or firsthand accounts of um, the happenings in, in Jesus' life and, uh, and proceeded to write them down. Um, Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and also Acts, um, 
I'm a, I'm a big fan of statistics, so I just wanted to throw this one in there. He's the biggest contributed, contributor um, to the New Testament at uh, 27.7% of the New Testament. And that was just a quick little fun fact for you guys. Um, yeah, so we, we've been in the season of Advent, Advent and we had Christmas yesterday. Um, we, I know uh, we read this story as a family yesterday morning. Um, I read it uh, a few times last week at different family Christmas events. Um, and that has been a rhythm for every year of every single one of our lives. Um, this story is familiar. Um, we know it. And I just want to take a second to say, don't let that familiarity um, rob you of what Jesus can have for you in it today. Um, and the things that I really want to highlight and give to you today are the, the faithfulness of God um, in the fact that he has come and that he has come near. Um, so if you guys would, um, we're going to pray. I'm, I'm going to pray. If you guys would pray for me, um, and then we'll dive in. Jesus, we thank you for today. Um, we thank you for the, um, the fact that we just get to gather and worship your name. Um, we think, we're thankful that you have come near to us. Um, Jesus, we just uh, prepare our hearts as we, um, as we hear your word. Um, would you give me the things to say? And, and, and if I say anything that might be unhelpful, would you help us all to forget it? Um, Jesus, we're just really great, grateful for, for your, your mercies that are, that are new every morning. Um, would you be with us as we, die, as we get into your word? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so let's dive in. Um, verses 1 and 2 say, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to all the world, or that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Um, what Luke is doing here is he's giving us a, a historical account. He is like cementing us and this story into history. He's giving names of people from a specific time and a place that we can look back to and know that we're talking about real people with real day-to-day -day lives. And he's placing us in a, in a, in a real um, a real time in history. It really reminds me of, we, we recite the Apostles' Creed together um, during baptisms and, and a few times throughout the year. Um, this really reminds me of, the, of the, um, the line in the Apostles' Creed that says that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. Um, the statement gives us context, not only about the narrative, but also it cements us into a place in time. Um, Moving on to verse three, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was, one, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Um, just as Luke gave us some historical context, um, he's also given us some context of, of uh, in, in giving us the account of Jesus' birth, um, the, the way that the Israelites would be looking um, for their Savior is through Old Testament prophecy. Um, the Old Testament is full of prophecy about the uh, birth of Jesus, but we're just going to do a quick flyby of a couple of them. Um, 700 years before Jesus, um, when the 
book of Micah was uh, being written. Micah 5, 2 foretells Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. Um, Along with being born in Bethlehem, which is the city of David, um, there are several prophecies about Jesus being of the line of Abraham, um, of Jesse, and of David. If you were with us last week, you might have heard Ben speak out of Matthew 1 on the the genealogy of Jesus and and highlight why that's important. And just like a quick sidebar about Bethlehem, um, how fitting a place for Jesus to be born, um, which is the city of David who was the shepherd king um, for Jesus the greater shepherd and the king of kings to have been born. And further, um, Bethlehem actually means the house of bread. Um, And again, what a proper place for Jesus who is the bread of life to to come to us. And then uh, in Isaiah, which was also 700 years before Jesus was born, um, in chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We could take all of this, um, and this is to, like, this is my bend, um, is taking all of this as a bunch of, like, cool Bible facts and, like, tying things together and not really letting it sink sink into our hearts. Um, but I, I bring all of this up to put, a, put ourselves into the, the, the lens that Israel will be looking through um, when searching for their Savior. Um, this lens is full of God's promises. It's full of um, prophecy. And it produced in them an expectant waiting as they looked back and remembered the ways that God had already been faithful to them. Um, so in this, I want us to hear and know and put ourselves in the shoes of those who are expectantly waiting, because we are waiting with expectation for his coming again. Um, Rowan Williams, who is a former Archbishop of Canterbury, um, in his book called Being Disciples, put it really well when he said that hope is having a right memory. Um, Just as Israel did, we also look back and remember the promises of God and we actually get an even better view because, uh, of, of God's faithfulness because we can look back to Jesus. Um, God's faithfulness in remembering it is actually what gives us hope. Um, in this time of Christmas, we focus on the uh, part of God fa- God's faithfulness that we call the incarnation, which means to, to put on flesh. Um, and this is one of the, if not the, the biggest um, form of his faithfulness to us in that um, God came to us. And here in the, uh, in the story, in, uh, in Luke, uh, we have a, a pretty hard cut. If we were watching a movie, it would be a hard cut to the next scene. Um, and in verse 8, our like, supporting cast of characters grows to include these shepherds. Um, verse 8, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So we've got a couple of questions to ask here. Um, who were the shepherds? Who were these people that God sought out to be the first to hear the good news? And beyond that, why is it important? Um, so we're going to take one more hop back into the Old Testament, and we're going to be in Ezekiel 34. Um, here in Ezekiel 34, um, God is placing judgment on the shepherds of Israel. Um, he's speaking to those actually who rule Israel, the uh, religious elites and the, and the leaders. Um, they've actually, at this point, disregarded their calling um, to care for the flock of Israel um, in favor of feeding themselves. Um, the first 10 verses of this chap chapter, we have uh, an indictment from God onto the shepherds that ends in verse 10 saying, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. So the next 20 verses of this chapter are a continuation of God's promise to come as a shepherd. Um, he's going to come to care for his people. Um, in verse 12, he starts and says, As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. This immediately calls my mind back to the day of crucifixion um, as Jesus was crucified, and it became dark and cloudy. Um, in the last two verses of this chapter, in 30 and 31, end with this really beautiful promise from God. It says, And they shall know that I am their, the Lord their God with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God, and you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, pasture and I am your God, declares the Lord God. So here we find the shepherds of Israel, the religious elite and the leaders brought low. They're humbled by God himself, who then promises to come as the greater shepherd. And in the same way, humbled and lowly is where we meet this other kind of shepherd here in Luke 2. And God comes and meets them to fulfill the exact promise that he had, um, that he had made to restore dignity um, to those in the margins. So... <clears throat> I'm not really a big fan of reading myself into Bible stories. I feel like that can get problematic pretty quickly. Um, it's really easy, like in the story of David and Goliath, where this young shepherd comes to, to slay a giant while the king cowers in his tent. It's way too easy for me to read myself in as David and not as Saul, who's, who's hiding, hiding in the bushes, you know? Um, after all, the Bible is completely and utterly about the person and work of Jesus Christ and not us. Um, but if we were to read ourselves into this story, the shepherds would be the people to identify with here. Um, a little bit about who the shepherds were. Um, at the time of Jesus' birth, uh, shepherds were outcasts in society. They weren't allowed in the temple. Um, they stayed outside of the city walls and they were in a continual state of being ceremonially unclean. Um, 
they also had quite the reputation. Um, if you, as a shepherd, were wanted to sell anything, um, you couldn't hardly find anybody to buy from you because it was assumed that whatever you were trying to sell was stolen. Um, and on top of being outcasts, the, the shepherds were actually actively used and, and marginalized. Their job was to raise and tend sheep, um, and specifically, these uh, shepherds outside of Bethlehem were used to raise the sheep that were going to be used for sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. Um, and so in that, they, these shepherds worked hard to provide the means to forgiveness, um, but then they were denied a seat at the table. Um, all of the social stigma aside, um, being a shepherd was really hard work. Sheep aren't smart. Um, and even more than that, they're obstinate. So here's like another place I could probably read myself into this story. Um, shepherds also had to protect the sheep um, from thieves and predators. So on top of being hard work, um, it was dangerous work. Um, I mentioned that the shepherds were continually ceremonially unclean. Um, they were in constant contact with animals, um, Animals who have natural bodily processes. I'm sure you can see where I'm going here. Um, it was a hard life, and it was hard work, and it did not smell pleasant. So these are the people that we identify with in this story. Um, these are the people that God proclaimed his good news to first, and this is where we find ourselves. Weary and heavy laden, just like the shepherds, under the burden of our own sin, um, our lives never rising above the perpetual sheep wrangling and the smell of dung that accompanies it. But God met these shepherds in the same way that he meets us today, um, not just with an angel or a host of angels, but with a message that's described as good news of great joy. Um, Luke 2.11 says that, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Um, only twice in the four Gospels is Jesus referred to as a savior. Once in John 4, which is the story of the woman at the well, and then here in Luke 2. And here, God doesn't just leave it as savior. Um, he goes on to say that it's also Christ, which means Messiah, and Lord, which is the use of God's own name. Um, so in this, God is leaving us no room to question who this baby is that he has sent He's our savior, as John the Baptist would later say, uh, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, he's also the Messiah, or the Christ, which means Messiah, and the, the definition of the word Messiah is the promised deliverer of the nation of Israel, the people of God. And lastly, it says that he is Lord, which is God's own name. Um, so he's our, he is our savior, he is our atonement, and he is God. And in, uh, in the fact that he is God, he has God come to us in, in human form. Um, and because he is in human form, he not only came to us, but he came near to us. Um, after experiencing this crazy visitation by the angels, um, the shepherds rightly hurried off towards Bethlehem to go check out what the angels were talking about. They found Mary and Joseph and Jesus lying in the manger which is just another small glimpse of God's faithfulness that they found exactly what they were told they'd find. Emmanuel, God with us, met these shepherds not only in their field,
but also in the only place they were probably comfortable with within the city walls, which was among the animals. They didn't shower first, and the stable was probably uh, pretty far away from a, uh, a sterile hospital room. Um, this time of year, we see a lot of nativity scenes around. Um, my mom's a big fan of them and has a few around the house. Um, and we see them everywhere. But I've noticed that they like, tend to depict, depict the scene that seems really peaceful. Um, all of these animals are just laying down in a circle, paying attention to Jesus. Um, and, like... Uh, just really peaceful, and you know Jesus is usually squeaky clean, and <clears throat> I just like as beautiful as that picture is. It's not what these shepherds had walked into as they came to find Jesus. Um, it was a dirty place again, like full of animals with normal bodily processes. It smelled bad. The animals were probably really antsy and frustrated because of all of the commotion around having a newborn baby in the uh, in the manger with them, and also this group of people that have just burst in to see uh, what's going on. And a question I get from this is like, what does this tell us about God's coming to us? Um, It tells us that Jesus meets us where we are. He doesn't meet us where we think we ought to be. He's consistently met me in the mess of my life over and over again. Um, When I walked into this church a few years ago, um, I was really beaten down uh, by life and uh, God met me in the middle of all of that. Um, He's not a God who's distant and removed, but he is near to us. Um, His incarnation, his his putting on flesh is proof of this. Um, Hebrews says that he was tempted in all the ways that we are, yet without sin. Um, He, Jesus, the word by which the world was created, suffered just like we do. Not only with torture and crucifixion under Pontius Pilate, But when his friend Lazarus died, or when he went too long without a meal, um, or when he got tired, the the God of the universe knows personally and intimately what we're going through precisely because he came near to us as one of us. And he did that for us. Um, Gregory of Nazianzus, who was a uh, fourth century bishop and theologian, put it this way. He says, Yet he was no stranger, since it was because of me that this immortal one came in mortal form, born through his virgin mother, that in his wholeness he might save me wholly. We live in a fallen world, and that makes our lives hard. Um, Work is hard. Marriage is hard. Any kind of relationship is hard. Parenting is hard. Keeping up with new COVID policies is hard. The culture we live in is inhuman, it's fractured, it's obsessed with efficiency and self-actualization. In reality, it's not actually any crazier now than it ever has been before. The difference um, is that now all we really have to do is turn on the news or log into Twitter um, to see that this life isn't what isn't working out the way that it was meant to be. And you don't actually even need to get up off your couch to encounter it. Um, The amazing thing about God's nearness to us is that he knows what that's like. And that makes his faithfulness to us so much sweeter. Um, I can look back at the darkest days of my life and remember God with me, even if I didn't see it in the moment. 
Just as Mary treasured all these things in her heart and pondered them, my life is one of full of small moments of assurance from God. And just as the shepherds couldn't help but share their experiences with others, we build each other up by remembering God's faithfulness together. So this is where we find ourselves today. God has come to us and he's come near to us. We find ourselves each time we open our Bible or gather together on Sundays looking back at God's faithfulness, reminding ourselves of who he has revealed himself to be. He is Lord of all. He's good. He's faithful. He's kind. He's merciful. He's just. And in every single one of those things, he is near to us. This is where we get back to that Rowan Williams quote from earlier, hope is having a right memory. In that gospel, the one of perfect love and of his nearness, we can remember and press on in confidence as we wait with hope and expectation for Jesus to come again. Um, And the best news in all of this is actually not just that he came near to us, but that he came to die. Um, It's good news that he is the greater shepherd that God has promised, um, but also the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We don't just open our Bibles to remember. Um, We don't just open them, but we also come to the table each week. Um, We come to remember that his body was broken and his blood was spilled for us. And in his blood, our, uh, in his body and blood, our crazy and dirty and sinful lives are again given fresh grace. Um, so as we are prepared to take the table, um, would you guys stand up and we will pray. Jesus, uh, I just stand here blown away by your faithfulness to us. Um, I thank you that we can look back at your life and see that you are someone that is worthy of trust. And on top of that, you're worthy of trust and you're good. Jesus, would you help us to leave today with a renewed sense and a renewed vision of your faithfulness to us and know that that faithfulness is one that is a faithfulness of nearness, one that is not far off, it's not distant, um, we're just so, so grateful for that today. And as, as, we, as we come to your table to remember again, um, would you meet with us and give us fresh grace this week? It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.